Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the Starline by the author of a new book, Sway, which is the first story told from the perspective of a child who lost a parent on 9-11. We're joined by Matt Bacci. Welcome. Thanks, Sean. Happy to be here. Let's go beyond the mic. Before we get into the book, I want you to talk to me about your dad. My dad, John Bocci, he was uh, a very selfless person. He was a person who valued family and put his family before everyone else. And, and, and at the end of the day, he was a determined and hardworking individual and just the, the, the epitome of a family man. In this book, you discussed your obsession with jumpers on 9-11 and if your dad jumped. Well, <clears throat> my dad worked on the 105th floor of the North Tower, so I only knew a few things and, and, and those parts of the day that I knew where he worked there, obviously he was, he made phone calls. He made three phone calls total to family members, my mother and my uncle, uh, his brother. And that's all I knew. And then when they found him, uh, I didn't really know much more than the fact that they found him, that just that they found him. So it became apparent to me that there was a possibility he jumped uh, because so many of the people from his building came, you know, jumped from those upper floors. I started asking questions and asking people around, like, you know, do you think he jumped? And, and, uh, a lot of them answered no. And then I had an uncle who through marriage, uh, he took advantage of that vulnerability and exploited it. And, and really, uh, you know, and then he took advantage of me. You described reviewing the videos of the jumpers. Was it, you just trying to see your dad one last time or morbid curiosity? It started off, it was a combination of things really. And, and, you know, unbeknownst to me, my father did not at that time, my father did not jump. So I had no idea and, and taking my, you know, uncle's advice or his words for what they were worth. I, you know, I thought that he was, I thought that it was, it was accurate. So I started looking at that stuff and yeah, it was a way to, to grieve. It was a way to almost like express myself and, and, and try to understand what happened and the severity of what happened that day and what, what went on in the towers. And at the same time too, I, I still was trying to see if I could find him in one of those pictures or videos, of him hanging out of the towers or possibly jumped. How was your mom recovered from losing her husband and your dad then watching you struggle with drug addiction. It was hard for her to watch the addiction, but it was also hard for her to deal with me and the questions I was asking too, because for her, it was, you know, she was remarried and she was happy and, and that's what I want for her, you know? And, and ultimately she knew that what I was doing was not doing any good for me. It was just providing a disservice to myself. And I was just, putting myself in this horrible position. And I was just letting myself get sucked deeper and deeper into this dark abyss that there would be no way out of if I continued. All of it kind of culminated together and it was it was hard for her to watch. But she supported me throughout it all. When did you have finally that moment where you said, I need to get help and I need to get clean? Well, I mean, yeah, it, it took countless trips to rehab detoxes. It took getting arrested and none of that stuff was, you know, it, it didn't, 
persuade me to get sober. You know, you would think that it would, but in fact, it was the opposite. You know, I was just like, kind of like, why am I going to do this? Like, I just want to continue to numb the pain. And, and eventually I had a spiritual experience from my father that prompted me to say, look, maybe, maybe this is the chance to do this. And I, I did it. And when I started feeling and seeing what early sobriety was all about and really just seeing that I could live a good life without drugs and alcohol, I chased that feeling and I was determined to stay sober. Author of Sway, Matt Bocci joins us beyond the mic. How did helping put your uncle in jail after years of sexual assault help you heal? Well, him going to jail necessarily didn't actually, I don't want to say help me heal because he was in jail, but more so the fact that I brought him to justice. He served a short sentence. He actually just got released recently, but it was, uh, it was important that I came forward because I was helping others around me who could have been affected by this individual. And not only that too, but it, it was more so I needed to get this off my chest and expose him for who he was. You know, it was very easy for everyone to just sit around and point and blame me for all the things that I was doing. But there was so much more going on behind closed doors that people didn't realize. And so it was important that I got that off my chest and was able to start my healing process by fully getting honest. Now, is there any fear with his release that he could hurt someone else? I mean, yeah, I fear that my family, anyone in my family, no, but I fear it for sure. Because I mean, I think that his behavior showed that he was a sick individual and and would prey on the most vulnerable people. I think that it's something to be mindful of. Yeah, obviously he's registered and stuff, but it's still, uh, in my opinion, something that doesn't really get talked about that much. Sexual predators in general. Matt, why were drugs your escape from the pain? Well, it just helped me forget, you know, and it helped. It was temporary, of course. You know, it was it was a temporary solution to my problems, and and the problem all all along was it was was inside of me. It took me getting sober and going to twelve step meetings and stuff to to realize that. But in the beginning, it was so easy just to snort a pill or a powder and swig a drink and and let those emotions and feelings evaporate pretty instantaneously. So, and in those brief moments too, I, I think I sort of felt a little bit of a, of a peace in the sense that I wasn't labeled as a child of nine 11 right then and there, you know, I was able to enjoy myself. I was able to just feel like a normal person, so to speak. But once I got sober and then realized what I was doing all along was just like, basically putting a bandaid over a scar, I needed to address what was wrong inside of me and, and all the things that I had went through and healing and coming to a better place of serenity through really addressing my past and not only addressing it, but moving forward from it. What are you doing now? Yeah. So I was in finance before I got sober. I was in finance. I had internships before I got sober, et cetera, and worked out of school. And then when I got sober, I went back to finance. And now, in the beginning, you know, I went from like, I had some gaps in sobriety of work, of work time. You know, there was times I wasn't working and I was unemployed. But in those unemployment times, I was speaking at schools and telling my story. And I had the most fulfillment out of that. And also, in the interim, I was also writing my book. So when I finished the book and I was trying to get it published and nothing was happening, I was getting, you know, I was a little dissuaded, you know, I was feeling dissuaded and stuff because I, I didn't think that people were going to 
want to read the book. So I almost stopped trying and it really dissuaded me from wanting to continue. I finally got my book deal after getting laid off in late 2019 and telling myself going into the new year, I'm going to give this one last shot. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. My goal all along though had been get the book published and then ideally start to try to speak at schools or other places really and just spread my story and try to inspire people and um, and show them that there's a way out of adversity and, and, and ultimately deep despair. And so now my book is published and it's the first step in basically chasing my career goal. Matt Bocci, author of Sway, joins us beyond the mic. You talk about in your book the problems that you have with trust. How has that changed in the past couple of years? Well, you know, it's, uh, I try to give people a chance, you know, it, it's, uh, I'm, it's very hard for me to really confide in people. And so, you know, there's times maybe I doubt people and I, and I think that they're taking advantage of me or whatnot, but you know, at the end of the day, I try to basically give people a shot and, and if they do wrong by me, then that's another thing. But I try to trust people. If I feel that they're a good person, I trust them. And, and if they prove me wrong, they prove me wrong. I don't have too much of a difficulty trusting people, I guess. How has helping others change the way you see your future? Well, I mean, it keeps me sober, right? Like, especially when I'm talking about my drug addiction and alcoholism, it keeps me sober. It allows me to remember some of the hardships that I went through. And ultimately that they played a role in my drug abuse. So by sharing my story and now over five years sober, I can share a story that shows I was able to get through all these adversities in life and I'm sober and I'm a better person today because I'm sober. And also I don't let these life events characterize me anymore or, or play the role that they used to play in my life. Now I am happy in the sense that I use my story to try to help and, and use it for good not for negativity, and which I used to do. I used to bog myself down, feel bad for myself, you know? Have you found happiness now? I mean, I do a lot of reading and writing. You know, I used to be a big journaler. I used to write a lot in a journal, sort of like a diary and whatever, and I express myself a lot in poetry. Now I'm, I love the feeling I get from writing whatever comes to my mind. That's how I wrote this book. Um, obviously, I had to edit it and whatnot, but that's what it, that's what that's how it started off. And it was it was write a story. I would write the date of a story and just write the story out. And whatever came to pen from pen to paper, that's what I that's what I wrote. I didn't overthink it. At times I did, but I try not to. And so that's that feeling um, and the relief that I get from it too is is something that I, I cherish. And so it's something that I'm not going to let go of. Time's running out, so it's time for the rocking eight. Eight random questions. Answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. There is no pressure. Okay. Favorite smell? Summer air. Who gives you hope? My dad. What's your biggest concern right now? The opioid epidemic. Why? Well, it's not, okay, maybe not my biggest concern, but it's a concern of mine because I went through it. And really, I think that it's kind of getting pushed under the rug a little bit due to, which are also very important topics, COVID-19 and, you know, Racism that's been completely perpetuated throughout this country in recent times, especially or more highlighted in recent times. And I think that it was talked about a lot right before all this stuff started happening in the world, in the country, COVID and the quarantine and all that. So 
I think that people maybe are forgetting. I'm not talking about for someone like me who's sober, um, although I do, you know, go to meetings every day pretty much, but I'm talking about people who are in active addiction and the fact that this is something that's killing lives every day in this country. Favorite flavor of ice cream? Chocolate. When was the last time you visited the 9-11 Memorial and what emotions did it bring out? Uh, 2017, I think. Um, it, I went with my family. I think that was the last time I went. It was 2016 or 17. And uh, I went with my family and it was actually right when the Memorial opened, I think, or pretty soon after it opened. And so... The pools are very powerful, and I love that part. And and the memorial itself is very powerful too. But it's just a heartbreaking feeling because I go there and I just imagine the World Trade Center being there, and I just think of everything that happened in just the middle of New York City on a random Tuesday morning in September. And it's just heartbreaking to think that life changed after all that. Your favorite season of the year is what? Summer. Your daily driver right now is what? Acura RDX. To those who are struggling with alcohol and drug addictions, what's the one lesson you have for others? That this is this is something I say all the time in meetings and and, and wherever I'm, I'm asked to have a question like this. A drug or a drink is not going to solve my problems today. And it's not going to change anything that happened to me in the past. So... The one thing I do know is picking up a drink or a drug is going to make things worse for me every single time. And that life in sobriety, even the darkest days in sobriety, are always better than than the way life was when I was in active addiction. And finally, what would your dad say if he was here right now? I think my dad would be proud of me. You know, I, I really do. In the years prior, maybe not, but now I think he would be. You know, I, I wrote a book. It's, published and, and and to me that was my biggest goal all along you know it doesn't have to be a bestseller it doesn't have to hit charts and all that stuff i wanted to get my story out there and if i can inspire one person along the way then i did that i did what i wanted to do and so i think he would be proud of the fact that i've overcome the things i went through and that i'm living my life the way he'd want me to live it now his favorite flavor of ice cream is chocolate and loves those summer days the book is sway and the author, Matt Bocci, wants you to know that if you're suffering drug or alcohol addiction, seek help. Matt Bocci, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you so much for having me. And that, my friends, is Beyond the Mic.